Welcome to episode six of Sonic Inducers. We're back at it again. Nick, my friend, how are you? I'm great. Is it episode six already? We've I know. Six I, of these? It, well, the August edition, 2021. I feel like we. I can. I can never decide if we. I felt like we've done too many or not enough. You know, <laughs> like oh, it feels like we've done ten. Not really. No, I mean, no. I guess if you space them out over a month, you kind of forget. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna apologize right off the bat. Uh, I live in an apartment, and there have been a lot of vacant apartments around me, and now they're all being renovated all at the same time. So I'm hoping my mic doesn't pick up all this uh, extra noise. It sounds like they're building a bowling alley above me. <laughs> they like might my, be, They might come they, to your door and say, "Hey, man, you're next." So I know, I know, I can use uh, get this carpet out of here. It's pretty nasty, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty loud. It's my new alarm clock, so. Uh, just bear with us. Uh, so welcome. We are going to uh, talk about something that has been an issue for a while, but uh, in this digital age of streaming, uh, how artists and writers kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to revenue and how that revenue works and uh, certain organizations that are bringing light to the problem here. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to warn you again, I might get a little heated. And a little opinionated because Here we go. as an artist myself and someone who works in the industry, it's, uh, it, it yeah, it, it's really unfair. Uh, and it's very interesting. I mean, I know there, are, everything's a business and things have to make money, but the artist is, is creating the content and, and the fact that they get shafted pretty much for lack of a better term the is artist, amazing. Yeah. And this has been going on since the dawn of, the music industry. You want to so, know before we go, you want to know what something my kid told me we were talking, dropping him off at school, and he told me, he said, Dad, what was the first song ever recorded? Because we were listening question. to I think we were listening to Led Zeppelin or something on the way, mm-hmm. and I had it up and I was like singing and the kids I had I was actually carpooling, had four kids in there, and they were <laughs> screaming, having a good time. And then my son Reef said, Dad, what was the first song ever recorded? And I just went blank i said did you do you know i i think i might have an idea i don't but i mean the term recorded i mean what i mean what does that mean recorded in via via print or via wax reel or via like Uh, i I didn't even go into it with my kid i was like what do you mean kid (laughs) i think it was thomas edison recording someone singing or someone playing an instrument or something how are like you that. pulling that out right now by the way I, I i i'm a nerd i'm like one of these people where if i'm i google everything i want to know <laughs> i i love useless knowledge you know my dreams be on uh jeopardy someday uh but you know any pop culture uh category i do very well and when you know i do trivia um i know all these just random stuff just because i'm a nerd and mm-hmm. like I get really passionate about knowing the origins of things. Like I spent, I don't know, a couple of weeks years ago looking up the origins of coffee, um, where whiskey was made, how it was whiskey was developed into what it is. And that stuff is interesting. That's interesting. Basically, a lot how how a lot of alcohols started (laughs) and like their process. Uh, So yeah, I, uh, I I. I think it's something like that, and we can we can look it up after we record this. So, okay, cool. um, the, we wanted to talk about this topic because Nick, you you forwarded me um, an article. Uh, there is an organization in the UK 
called the uh, DCMS, which is the Department for Digital Culture, Media, and Sport. And uh, I don't know if it was really a ruling, but I think it was um, kind of opening the door to have the that that government look into uh, these companies, aka Spotify, Apple Music, streaming services, basically, and how they handle and treat the payment of their revenue down to the artists and the writers. The streaming it's obviously revenue, yeah. Streaming, it's obviously very lopsided. Uh, and I don't want to jump ahead in my thoughts here, but, you know, it, it's, it, I feel like this is, it's been an issue for forever. It's been an issue even before like digital was king. Um, how the artist just doesn't get really most of the money because it has to filter through so many other things first before it gets to them. Uh, but I feel like this is a remnant of the music industry, the, the labels specifically, still figuring out how to navigate, you know, post-Napster days, right? Um, I watched this great interview with Billy Corgan, uh, and he said the two Tell the biggest- kids who Billy Corgan is, by the way. <laughs> if you don't know who Billy Corgan is, <laughs> he is the singer-songwriter of a little band called The Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. First song I ever learned on guitar was the intro to Today. Uh, it took me forever to figure out how to learn it. But, uh, you know, he, he's he been in the biz a long time. Uh, and he was saying the two biggest mistakes that the music industry made. Uh, one was letting MTV kind of just have its, you know, run amok with, right. um, you know, how how they treated music and, and, and things like that. And, you know. I th- well, they put music to the side and they focused more right. on content, know, just content, content. shows mm-hmm. about that kind of touched on music, but then got further and further away from music. Right. And then he said the second thing was the treatment of like kind of just ignoring Napster and these file sharing services and just they didn't take action quick enough. And so here we are still dealing with this issue of, um, you know, content aggregators getting all the, basically all the, if you look at the charts, they get most of the revenue and then it trickles down to, you've got sync is like last, which is interesting. Right. And then like composition revenue is kind of, uh, you know, Laster. Second, <laughs> second, second to last, laster. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, uh, performance royalties are just, it's almost laughable. Uh, and I know I talk about Spotify on here a lot as a, as a music discovery tool and as someone who just always has music on. Yeah. It's like the first thing I do is I just turn on, you know, random playlists to discover new music. And that's great in that sense. But when we talk about the treatment of artists and there is is plenty evidence out there and plenty of articles and plenty of major artists like, you know, Taylor Swift, not wanting their music on there, um, because of how they view payment to artists. Uh, I've talked enough. I'm going to let you share your thoughts. Uh, I could go on and on and I don't want to get too mad and upset. No, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. You're passionate. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, you look at it from the artist perspective and I look at it from the writer perspective Mm -hmm. because I've, that's um, your world. Right. And, and as we've discussed at length, you know, songs, there wouldn't be recordings without songs. So mm-hmm. when this ruling came forward, it excited me, us, 
And it just sparked. I mean, I know we were talking a bunch about it and just like firing our guns left and right on, on, on what it meant, what we thought it meant, how, and if it was going to grow legs. And, um, the idea of the street of streaming revenue and artist and writer, and this is what I understand. I could be, could be I could be completely off base. However, I don't think I am having artist and writer royalties kind of level out where the composers are getting paid as much as the artists for streaming revenue. Now, what that is, is that Spotify is that, um, is that the other digital platforms like Spotify and is that YouTube and all of that? And I don't think that's been outlined quite yet, but the potential for it, and this is what you and I were speaking about, but, um, this ruling could have legs and could stretch out further to to other platforms where where you and I both know um, in the world of YouTube, um, sound recordings get paid at a higher um, at a higher rate than uh, publishing does. Right. And that's just the way it is. I don't know exactly why that is. Um, I'm sure there's some heavily bullet pointed reasons behind it. But for like we've discussed in past episodes, the power of writers right now and, and the direction that they're going and how they're getting more um, just, I don't know what I would say. They're just, it, it, things are bubbling up. Um, it, it, it got me thinking that what if, what if, there was an even playing field between songwriters and and artists. What would that? How would that change things? How would that change thing at the change things at the label, or and the publishers? Well, obviously, the publishers would start gaining a huge amount, um, a, a huge increase in streaming revenue based on on you know if things were to even out. And who even knows if that's going to happen? But it's super exciting to think the potential that it could. Yeah, and and you know, doing some research on this topic and 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 reading about this uh, this outcome, there's a term that came up. It's uh, get ready because it's really sexy. Equitable oh re, re, re <laughs> I can't even say it. I can't say it. Equitable remun. I want to say remuneration. Anyway, <laughs> look it up. I'll spell it for you later. Uh, but it's it's basically what they're trying to get is a fifty fifty split like make everything equal between labels and performers. Um, it just, that seems so simple to say, yeah, that, I agree with that. Let's do it. But then how do you implement that? And, and, you know, we're ad rev. Um, we can address the elephant in the room. We're a YouTube aggregator. And yeah, YouTube is listed in these, you know, problem sites with how they manage the money and how they pay it down. Um, you know, we do brag that we have a higher payout than most, companies that do what we do um we do it better uh anyway uh <laughs> but you know we 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 take you know a small percentage of the revenue that we collect and obviously i mean who you know it's like a what artist would want to sign with somebody where the revenue is in that company's favor right, right. um but the the thing is there is behind the doors you don't see where that money is being moved around you 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 know, whatever is left over to pay to you, they're like, yeah, we'll give you X percent. Oh, that sounds great. But that share of that percentage is 
is so watered down by the time it gets to you. Yeah. Right. Uh, And I remember back when, um, before like, you know, checking things on the internet was, was commonplace. My mom bought me that book. I think everyone should read it. If you haven't read it, uh, everything you need to know about the music business. Uh, And I, I got it right when um, like Napster was kind of, it was still, it wasn't regulated yet, but it was still talking about, it was like the CD version, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, every time a new, uh, way to consume music comes out, I'm sure he updates that, uh, book. That's so why there's so it was many. The, yeah. Right. <laughs> it was the first time I really kind of understood the trickle down effect of how the money you know, you gotta, if you have a, you gotta recoup stuff, the label gets money, they get money per sale. Then the artist gets like, what, I mean, you're going to know this better than me, like nine cents per album sale or something like that back in the day. Per, so- per song. Per, per song. song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. And then you look at people like, again, Billy Corgan in this interview, because he was young, this is what, this is, I'm paraphrasing him. Uh, and he wrote all the songs. Everyone else just played on it. You know, the band just played the, the music to the songs that he had written, he made all the money and became a millionaire, you know, and yeah. it caused a lot of tension. This is why when I started to, you know, come up with splits on, on, uh, um, publishing stuff, it was like, look, we're all writing songs. You might write a majority of this one. You might write a majority of that one. Let's just do an even split. So we don't hate each other in 10 years, you know, because this breaks up bands. Um, it sure does. And so that's a rare case, obviously, which brings me to my next point. You have some major artists who love the streaming side of things, who love the revenue they get. It's because they're major artists. When, But that's such a small percentage really of is. music that's out there. You got all these independent you know, bands or, or just singer-songwriters who get the short end of the stick just because they're not a household name. So, of course, you know, if I'm... <laughs> Mr. Joe famous and everyone knows me, of course my money is going to be good and I'm going to be happy about it. But again, that's just, that's not a majority of what makes up music that's consumed. It's, I listen to the most random stuff, you know, and I'm bet you when I listen to that one song, probably 30 times, because I listen to the same playlist over and over and over, they're getting like two cents from me, but (laughs) you know, you multiply that by, I wish everyone, it's like, I wish everyone drove like I drove because there'd be no traffic jams. I wish everyone listened to music the way I listen to music. Yeah. <laughs> Just re- listen to it over and over and over. I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, this, this seems like it's always an issue on the table and well, let's, the progress is, is slow. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's, uh, this is an in- interesting um, tangent off of this, you know, couple things um how you're talking about 9.1 cents per download or per per sale or something like this i was thinking about the um as you were talking the michael jackson record like god rest his soul when he passed away the thriller record came out uh, i mean right. thriller 25th anniversary went, right 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 it shot up um but it went platinum or triple platinum or whatever but Again. it was still <laughs> But it came out at the time that the rate was at nine cents, but it was held to a contract that he got paid four cents, even though it was released 
uh, currently within that time frame. So, and then you're like, it, so that type of stuff happens. And then it, it was kind of nuts. Cause I remember talking to his manager and she was saying, so what is the estate going to get paid on this record? And I said, I'm sorry that Sony contract is still in place. You're, you're, <laughs> you're getting an old, whatever, what year that record came out, 88 or something that rate. Um, but that leads me to what, speaking of Sony, you know, um, and I've got my views on them and I mean, my wife works for them, so I love them. Um, but <laughs> you're talking about some of these artists that do get paid or don't get paid. What about this news where Sony is saying, Hey, everybody that signed a contract before 2000, all your recouped balances are forgiven. You're I love now that. Gonna- how amazing is that? Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And as someone who has been in independent bands for so long, it was like, don't sign a label deal that you lose all your control. You you'll if it looks good, they're like waving a golden carrot in front of your face, but don't do it. That would make me want to sign with Sony. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They're pretty badass. Dude, right? And this is all in favor of the writer. It's all right. for, it's like this huge writer push. And it's just, I find it amazing because guess what? Hey, you know what? I know I'm a thousand years old, but I still think it's like 1999 still. Right. You know, when you think 2000, you're like, dude, that's during the heat of some really amazing uh, records were coming out. Some amazing producers were uh, creating music at that time. And if, I mean, if, if you predate, if you signed your agreement in 99, I know maybe you don't know this band, but uh, bu- 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 um, Dream Theater, an yeah. old Austin band. Their yeah. agreement was dated 90, either 92 or 97. I know it because I've looked at it so many times. So if they were with Sony, I'm trying to scan my brain. I It could be Warner, it could be Sony, but if this applied towards them, um, and I think in their heyday, they probably got a pretty hefty advance. Who knows? They sold records, but, um, if they didn't recoup, they haven't seen any of that streaming revenue, but now right. is the time it's going forward. And it's really awesome because streaming is just firing. It's, fi- it's just, well, as a consumer, it's just, it's convenient. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is something about buying an album, like buying a CD, was cool and all, but the the case would crack, but you did to get the artwork. But I mean, I think that's also why vinyl sales are still kind of popular is because yeah, it's, yeah. it's more of a, it's more of a product, you know, you can I hate hold that it. word, but you can, you can hold, hold it. it. It's bigger. I mean, you could frame it, you know, you can, it's like, it's a piece of art as opposed yep. to like this little, you know, CD and a jewel or a cassette, even like so tiny and those things get lost so easily or they crack, whatever. Um, so it it sounds like the pressure that these committees and these departments are bringing up is, is slowly working. What the other cool part of, about the Sony thing is they then pressured Warner like we hope they follow suit. So they're kind yeah. of like, "Hey guys, we everyone needs to do this." And and so I think it's a good thing. It's going in the right direction. Um, you know, Adrev has been a part of the NMPA for a long time. Um, proud member of course. And you know, we've helped them do some things, um, uh, and especially in like a YouTube, um, the, the, the market share payment on the publishing side. So there's all this money that's just been sitting around cause they didn't know how to, who to pay. And they finally, mm-hmm. you know, came to an agreement 
So if you're an Adref client, um, every so often you'll you'll get this line item on your your revenue. It's like, uh, what's this market share thing? Well, that's what that is, you know. Yeah. And it's again, it's still like I think they pay it twice a year. Who knows? But it's basically I've had found, found money. I've had clients that call and they say, "Hey Nick, oh, yeah. what is this? Do, what, do, what do I do with this?" I said, "Dude, it's found money. It's extra. Right, just take it." And that's yeah. the thing is, it's again, it's a market share. Which another point is, like I was talking about those huge artists, like they're getting paid on a market share. And so, if you're the Beyonces of the world, of course you're going to see this. You can make a living on sure, just sure. Spotify, but then it trickles down. So, like for me, if I get I don't know a hundred streams a month, that's not huge at all. But they look at that like, ah, oh, there's small fries. So based on what she's making, carry the two, cube this, <laughs> uh, you'll get, <laughs> you'll get uh, like $5. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you, it, this has been a topic that's just always, it feels like it's always um, just circling itself. It's evolved. And, and, it's, and it sounds like there's fi- uh, cracks are finally being made is that cracks being made what i don't know i was <laughs> i'd use another right, term things are starting to crack and, and things are starting to maybe push forward that's um it. so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple months couple years um hopefully some more progress is made um wow we we've we're almost out of time we gotta what? move on we gotta oh. move on to uh to what I yes. like to call the soft news segment of each episode of Sonic Inducers. Uh, it, I don't know why this took it. It was really hard to come up with a topic, um, but I thought it'd be fun to maybe discuss our guilty pleasures as far as music listening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you want to go first or should I embarrass myself? <laughs> I'll embarrass myself first. Okay. I, was thinking- like, I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait to hear what your guilty pleasures <laughs> Well, I got a, I have a problem. Okay. I know. Um, (laughs) And, and I get it from my mom and she embarrassed me when I was a kid. God rest her soul. Um, I have a problem whenever I'm out in public and I hear music and it's in, whether it's in a restaurant or especially if, if it's live music, um, nine times out of 10, if I'm having a nice dinner or I'm with somebody nine times out of 10, I'm drawn to get out of my seat. Even if nobody is moving and I get up and I, and I shake around and I look so silly for no reason whatsoever. And this could be some really rad music, but when I used to go pick up my kids from their day camp, they, <laughs> you know, that song gummy bear. It's an awesome kid so. song. It, I don't know what it is. It falls oh, within like on, baby shit. It's like, I'm gummy bear. I'm gonna, I don't know. It's, I'm going to die laughing. If I think. It's so good. It's got this little techno beat behind it. And they played it like at least once a week because they were having dance parties at the kids' school. And I would just cut what do they say cut a rug is that what they said cut in the loose. 20s a yeah cut, cut a rug loose. cut loose trip it's the light just, fantastic exactly so that would say that's my guilty pleasure slash problem kids it, songs it's you know kids songs. there's some pretty i mean not like baby it shark is. but like there's some pretty kid dude minecraft songs they're they're covering all of these hip 80s tracks my kids are singing them and they um 
do like uh, they do parodies. Of them. Well, not parodies. They do like interpolations of them. Mm-hmm. They're really good. And now my kids sing them and we dance in the house. So I think they know that parents are playing that game with their kids. So they're trying to appeal to the parents. It's kind of like, you know, why Pixar are so great because yeah, they yeah. appeal to both audiences. Right. Um, I, I, I'd have to check those out. Um, I didn't know Minecraft even had music in it. Dude, it's a new thing. It's awesome. Um, speaking of kids music, did you ever get into Yo Gabba Gabba? You for, for your kids, you might they might have just missed them. I think I, they, I don't think they. I, sh- I think they missed it. I think they yeah. missed it. But no. I, so answer. I'm gonna I'll brag a little bit, but I got the opportunity to tour with them for a bit as the Super Music Friends, and mm-hmm. so we would play like one song. You know, they'd wheel us out on this cart, which I always would get because they would cut it. Like when they start first start pushing the cart, I'd almost fall off every time. So I'd have to like brace myself. But they do two shows a day because, you know, these toddlers only have like a half hour attention span. But the music, there was one. It's it, all the music's great because it's um, the show is created by musicians. I don't know if you know the Aquabats, but um, like, so it's got it. that vibe where it's cutesy, but also really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a hip, uh, Sesame street. And so there's a song about it uh, eating healthy food. And it's like the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the like carrots and the broccoli are like dancing around in the kid's stomach. It's great. You should check that. <laughs> it's great. Um, so, you okay. Played I, that. I, well, we just, we toured, we, we would just, you know, we'd like a theater tour. It was so fun. We got to see some amazing theaters and, um, I posted about uh, Bismarck, uh, rest in rest in peace. Got to meet and hang out with him for a while. He was very quiet, but also just a lovely human being. But he would do business beat of the day. He'd come out and do because he was known for like beatboxing, right? During the kids' show, he would come out and like, "Hey, kids, it's time for business beat of the day." And so he would do like he would he'd like, "All right, go like this." You know, like you're like now yeah, you yeah. try it, and so he would sit at the edge of the stage, and kids would line up, and he'd go, "All right, what's your name?" Oh my gosh, Janelle! Hi, awesome. Janelle. Go like this, and then he'd put the mic in front of the kid's face, and they go, "You know, <laughs> it was the cutest thing ever." And he it was just, he would spend. I think they finally had to like this. You know, you're kind of running over time. He would he would just hang out on this, and it was awesome. He was That's just awesome. such a, and he was tall he was a big man so he looked intimidating he looked intimidating but he was so super quiet and sweet and yeah so he was he was a cool dude um okay so enough about my uh (laughs) dive into kids entertainment um so my guilty pleasures are i get really into certain top 40 songs okay um and Again, like I've talked about in past episodes, I'm at the point where I don't care what people think of my musical taste. I will mm-hmm. admit what I like, and you can judge me, whatever. But Lay there's something about, like Katy Perry, when I hear, uh, is it California Girls? Yeah. That just reminds me of summers in high school, like especially after I could drive. That My okay. junior year, between my junior and senior year, I was born in August. My birthday's coming up soon. But I had a late birthday, so... I couldn't drive until right before my senior year. And so the first summer I could drive alone mm-hmm. was the best, one of the best summers of my life. And, you know, so you're just, you're hanging out with your friend. I mean, most of my friends, we listened to like Pearl Jam and Weezer and Stone, De- Stone Temple Pilots, all the 90s stuff. Sure, but sure. of course there was a lot of great pop songs back then. 
And in the summer, you go to the beach and that's what you listen to. And so, I, I mean, at the time, I didn't really like it. But now when I hear something of the same thing, I get really nostalgic. And I've talked to you about this, the song Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Yes. I get chills when I hear that song. It's, Dude, it's just so well done. She's awesome. And she's awesome. And it's I have a playlist, speaking of, I call it the desert playlist. So every time I drive to the desert or I'm hanging out in the desert, this is what it's like hours of music. And I added that one <laughs> to it. And it's like in the midst of like Led Zeppelin and um Dude, you know, shit, Chris that Isaac. song fits right Dude, in there. She's it's so there, you know, I got okay, full disclosure. It's one of those songs where I wish someone I mean it's gonna I'm gonna sound horrible, but I will like someone's probably written that song about me. Because you know, <laughs> I've broken a few hearts in my name. <laughs> anyway, so there's something it just it kind of pulls at my heartstrings a little bit. Dude, like I feel it's like, so that, good. like I can so good. like really relate to it because I've been on the other side of it too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and then the other one is I've talked about this too is uh, video game soundtrack music mm-hmm. or just like instrumental, like really dark, depressing uh, music. Um, I don't know. Okay, so wait, hold on, pause. Is it is it that you dig dark and depressing music, or you dig dark and depressing, um, you know, uh, video game music? Because like I think of like when you say video game music to me, I think that's well, okay, like more epic games, not like retro games. I, I like that music too. Don't get me wrong. I remember, uh, dude, Metroid, Metroid, Metroid has a good soundtrack. That's a good. I, I was the only kid on my block that got a Sega Genesis when everyone else was getting super Nintendos. And, uh, one of the great games on there was, yeah. Streets of rage one and two had great soundtracks. And the second one, you could go into the options and you could just play the music. And so I, I would, I would just sit there and listen to the music from the game. Dude, that, that uh, was, so that, that's, kind that of been was into cutting it. edge. That was kind of, what was, was that, 95 edge. or something? To be able to uh, no, it was well before that. Before I, that. I was still junior high. So it was like, I don't know, 64. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of say 75. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I do, you know, I do have like a little bit of a macabre kind of sense about me and interests so we're uh, cooking some macabs on the grill later oh i'll come over um (laughs) so it uh i don't know i've always been drawn to you know what it is it's because i think as a as an only child growing up i had a really vivid imagination and i would so i would like play i don't know cops and robbers or something i'd always have to have action music on because i wanted it to i used to want to be an actor too so it was like there's something about having background music while you're doing it was just, it just felt like it completed the scene dude it it so there's it something about the emotion the music. it makes the emotion so my, of the scene right my workout mix has a lot all these you know video game soundtracks on there like th- like really intense games not not something like uh donkey kong or whatever you know? <laughs> um that's still intense that? it's tough to beat that yeah, game <laughs> sure. i suck at that game uh, uh and pac-man but uh so it just, it makes me feel, it just pumps me up. It's like certain people listen to hip hop, like before a game or something, or they listen to Metallica. I used to do that when I played football, but now I have to listen to like just dark synth leads and, you know, swells and, and a really great, like tribal drum beat that gets me going. Interesting. So anyway, a little window into my soul. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know what? I gotta mm. tell you, man, I'm, I'm happy we talked about all this stuff today. Um, I feel I was actually kind of 
getting a little depressed thinking about talking about this because I was like, man, you know, things just ain't changing. But I think after we've discussed it a bit, I feel a little bit more hopeful. So maybe that's helped you, the listener as well, uh, I hope. And uh, this has been a really fun half hour. I know we're a little over time. And uh, we will wrap this one up until September when the next one comes out because that's how this works. That's right, everybody. New month, new episode. I know. That's right. Everyone have a great August and uh, we'll we'll pick it up in September with some exciting new stuff where we can laugh about and talk about what's going on in the industry. And hopefully learn you something. So, all right. Well, thanks again for listening. This has been episode six of Sonic Inducers presented by AdRev and we'll see you in the next one.